WGFMRadio.com, a division of Even If Inc., Chicago. You have now entered the zone, the funk zone, with T.P. Corleone. So throw them funk signs in the air, wave them around like you just don't care, and prepare to get funked in your mind, your body, and your soul. Can you dig it out? No big dummy tuning in to the funk zone, but it do baby bubba to the boogie, the bang bang, TP Corleone to the break of dawn, actually to 3 p.m. You dig what I'm saying? Three hours of this F U N K all up in your ear hole. I promise to funk you in your mind, body, and soul. You in the funk zone on WGFMRadio.com, the coldest station in cyberspace, the coldest station it is in outer space. You dig, and we're gonna have a funky. Funky night show surprises for you today. You dig? Before we get into the surprise, I am going to play a favorite new joint by Miss Portia G. Renting space in my head, baby. Hey, this is Miss Portia G. When I want to get my funk on, I turn into the funk zone with TP Cornell. Here we go again. Mm. Lord today. Space in my head. Huh. 
Baby, that is Whole lot of Game by Dawn Silver from the Brides of Frankenstein. Before that, if I'm in luck, I might get picked up by Betty Davis. Started that set off with um, Portia G with Rent Space in my head. Wanted to start off with some she-funk triple dose of that female funk in your dig. This is T.P. calling him to the break of doing on this funky, funky Friday on WGFMedio.com. I'm getting it in for this weekend So put the funk signs in the air Wave them like you just don't care Cause you gotta believe in order to receive To receive this F-U-N-K in your heart and soul Gonna hit you with this joint A classic throwback of a monster funky disco funk jam That was a monster It set the world on fire when it first came out And you could 
play it at any party today and still get that party jumping of all age groups and demographics. Talking about mama used to say by junior, baby, you remember this one.
Yeah, even though the jam is funky, it's a dance floor smash, but when you listen to the words, dropping some knowledge, yep, yeah, Mama used to say by Junior now, guess what, I told you I had a surprise, I was actually privileged earlier this week to interview Mr. Junior, yes, yes, y'all, and you don't stop, so he's a really cool guy. And you can find out what he's been doing since the release of his earlier hits and what's happening with him now. My man, Junior, big up to you for blessing this show with an interview. So here is the interview right now with my man, Junior. Listen up, put your funk signs in the air and get tuned in, baby. Enjoy. Okay, we're on. What's good, party people? What's good? Finally in the funk zone. This is T.P. Corleone, you dig? And I have a very... Very special guest on the line with me who's blessed me to be able to interview him. You know his music. You dig? If you didn't know, you will know before this interview is over with. All the <laughs> way from the, yes, yes, all the way from the UK, Mr. Junior Giscom. How you doing, young man? I'm very well. Are you taking your time? Yes, I'm taking my time, man. Taking my time trying to. Find some kind of, trying to relax and have some kind of, you know, de-stressing in this crazy times we're living in, you know. But one thing about people Very like true. yes, yes, yes. But one thing about people like us, we are music lovers, and music is our sanctuary. So again, I thank you for coming to the Funk Zone with me. So, hey man, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much for asking. Right, no problem, no problem. So what I want to do is um, ask you this, first of all. Um, so you've been in the business a while. I want, I'm curious to know, as well as my listeners are, I'm quite sure, to know how long have you been involved in the music business before you had your very first single? Wow, I had made... My very first single I made when I was about 14, 15, it was a cover of a song by an artist called Jesse Green called Nice and Slow. And that was done for a small label in London called Sunshine. And the owner was a guy called Oscar. And uh, the record went out in Australia and became a number one in Australia, but I didn't know. I just wanted to make records. So 
I made that record and it wasn't until I made Mama Used to Say, which would have been, Christ, that Mama Used to Say would have been 16, 15, or them 14, 620, would have been eight years, nearly nine years later, before I knew that that record had actually become a hit in Australia. Really? Really? So let me get this straight. So you recorded this song as a teenager, 14, and you did you almost just forget about it, just let it go, and just figure, well, oh, well, I recorded this song, and that's it, good luck. Is that how you felt about it before you realized that it became a hit later on? I or? think it, Yeah, at the time, um, we weren't told what was happening, so I wasn't told that the record had actually been put out. I was just told that we, the actual company were going to do various things with it, and I would be informed in terms of being able to do any kind of promotion behind the record, you know, being able to go to clubs and sing it and, and perform it. So nobody came back to me, so I had no idea what was happening. So once I'd done that, I was what, 14, 15, and by the time I was 16, 17, 18, I started doing other songs for different labels, but nothing really happened. And then I made a song when I was 22 for a label in England called Pressure Records. And that single came out in France and became a number one in France. And again, I didn't know until <laughs> two years later when Mama used to say became a hit. Wow. I did a gig in France. I did a gig in France. And while I was in France, Everybody, I, I got on stage, it was like one of those big, like, um, garages. So there was a, at least between four to 6,000 people. And um, I turned around and I started singing Mama Used to Say, and everybody booed. And I couldn't believe what was going on, because Mama Used to Say was a big record in France. Really? And everybody started to shout, get up and dance, get up and dance. So the DJ had the song, and they put it on. And it was one of those things where you don't even remember that you'd done that song. And it was just huge. It was the number one in France. So my career started from that song, really. Get up and dance, hot up and heat it. Whoa, that's an amazing story, man. So they didn't really want to hear your current hit. They <laughs> wanted to hear Get Up and Dance. And you had no idea it was a hit. Man, it's funny. No idea. It's funny, that's how the music business is sometimes, you know. Uh, you leave it into the label's hands and the com company's hands, and sometimes you never know what's going to happen with it, you know. Um, this is very true. I, th I think as well because of the fact that, like, you're young, and what you're doing is you're, you're young and you're just trying to move yourself ahead. You know, you want to be able to make records. You want to understand how records are made. What, what what's the ingredients to make people move? Those are the things that were inspiring to me. Exactly. So you were doing your job as an artist. That was your a part of the, um, I guess, agreement, and they did their part. So um, it's funny and impressive that, so you already had two, and this is educational for me, you had two number one hits even before your biggest hit was I became aware of Mama used to say, and I had no idea. So big ups on that, man. That's that's really hot. That's hot right there. You hey, know? thank you very much, man. Mm -hmm, thank mm -hmm. you very much. Yeah. So how did the um, whole 
situation of recording mama used to say and getting that put out come about how did that actually go down i was part of a group called Lynx in england who were the over the last like the last two years the two years prior to mama had risen to become the number one group in the country so um, I'd gone to America because the label that um, had Get Up and Dance Hot Up and Heated on, the label had given it to a label in America called Firesign. Okay. And Firesign started to have a great reaction to Get Up and Dance. So they paid for me to come over and do some shows down in Baltimore, which I did in the early 80s. So that would have been around about 81. Okay. I did that. And after doing those songs, I, while I was there, sorry, while I was in America, I got a phone call from Phonogram Records, and the A&R man was in New York and wanted to meet up. So the following day, I came back up from Baltimore, and I, I met him at um, Mercury Records at the time. I met him at Mercury. We sat down and we spoke, and... I wanted to be able to make the kind of records that I wanted to make, not the kind of records that record companies wanted you to make. He was the first person who I had met who was willing to do that and willing to give me the chance to make an album, make a single, and the chance to do it in the way that I saw it. So even though the record was happening in America with Firesign, I chose to go back to England and make the record in England. So I got mm. together with a guy called Bob Carter, who was okay. also part of Lynx. And while we were out on tour as Lynx, Bob and I would write the songs for the album, and we would rehearse it with the band. So, because I wanted everything to be live, I wanted it to have a live feeling of movement mm -hmm. and... We, we wrote the songs, Bob, did, um, Bob and I arranged the songs, we, took, we were on the road for three weeks, so we had three weeks to rehearse every evening, uh, or before we actually did any of the shows, we would rehearse one of the songs from the album, so that we were in place. So when we got back to London, after we did the three-week, four-week tour, sorry, four-week tour, mm -hmm. we went into the studio and we cut the album in three weeks. Okay. And we had everything done. Everything, the album was cut, overdubs was done. And by this time, when I got back to London, I started to hear that like it was becoming a, a huge hit in America. Yeah. And then it started to spread from America and went to France, went to Germany, went to Spain. So that early 80s from the end of it came out originally on the 27th of July, 1981, but became a hit in America in 1982, the spring. Mm. And from there, it just went on to become a, a huge hit worldwide. Yeah, worldwide smash. Interesting, interesting. That's, that's still um, an American classic to this day. You know, that's still one of the go-to party songs we can play to get people on the floor till this day, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am so grateful. I yes. am so grateful. I had no idea, you know, when you um, sit back and you look at 
your your work if you look at it and you realize that you made records that have touched people in you know such dramatic ways and you're so grateful because the whole emphasis of making music for me was to be able to touch people so to be able to have made a record that has continually touched people over 40 years now is absolutely amazing yes it is yes it is it um it makes you part of um more more than just part of history just part of um world folklore so to speak um and also um i want to thank you you well no no problem i want to thank you for last year if many don't know and some do for allowing me to do a um chicago house music remix of that particular song you know that was a big uh part of my career so i thank you for that you know for allowing that to happen you know yeah that was a pleasure your work was fantastic your work was fantastic and you know i hope a lot more people get the chance to hear it oh thanks a lot uh, that makes me feel very special to hear you say that um, but what um many may not have known so that version that i was actually able to remix uh were stems from a reggae version of that particular song now i was shocked and taken aback that you recorded a reggae version of that song i never knew it you know explain to me how that came about you know my oldest daughter unfortunately passed away three years ago but oh, she my had condolences. Cirrhosis and my condolences. thank you very much and but she always because i'd always take her down to jamaica i spend a lot of time in jamaica so mm -hmm. She was down with me, and she kept saying to me that you know everybody, but you won't do any work with anybody. And my answer to that was, well, I'm down here with you. I, I, I'm not here to work. I'm not here to get involved in that. I just want us to have a great time for you to have a great time. But she kept on and on about it for years. It's about five, six years. And when she passed, I decided that, you know, it's a, it might sound terrible in one respect, but for me it was a cleansing in another respect, to actually start recording. Again, right. Record this reggae album that she wanted me to do. So I made a phone call, and I got hold of Luciana. I had a cousin who knew Luciana, and he made a phone call. Luci and I met up in Jamaica, and we recorded it in Jamaica. And then I got together with Stephen Marley, and we did a version of it together as well. And then I went, um, came back down to um, Kingston and worked with um, Tabby Diamond from the Mighty Diamonds, which was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Then came home and started working with reggae artists at home, Janet Kay, Carol Thompson, uh, a young girl from Jamaica called Pinky Famous. And the project just started to come together, and, and, and I just felt that, like, I need to make people hear this. It was the project isn't new songs. It's songs that were recorded by myself and been successful mm -hmm. in other countries around the world. So I just wanted to bring that together, but under um, a real natural form of music, which is reggae music, which is my parents are Jamaican. Jamaica is my love. So it was something that I felt I needed to do. I guess so. So that actually was leading to a next question I was going to ask, but you answered it. So it appears you do get a lot of love and respect from the reggae Jamaican community because your parents are Jamaican, you say, huh, as well, huh? Yeah, 
Agreed, agreed. And I think also, um, I had written a song, sorry, I produced a song that became a number one in the Caribbean for about three to four months. And it was called Half a World Away for a young man called Paul Johnson when I started to get into production. And okay. that record had become like a staple diet in the Caribbean. So anywhere you go in the Caribbean, you always hear Half a World Away. Really? And, um, again, wanting to please people in, in, in as much as being able to touch them, but through somebody else's voice, but through your direction, right. was a wonderful experience for me. Man, you know what? Another That's number one. Another number one. I think you should probably change your nickname to number one, Junior, just gone. You know, I think that should be your nickname, the, the number one guy. I mean, really, number one is your thing. That's hot. I, I really love it. I love it. I so, so love it, man, you know. Um, I wanted to ask you this also, only this kind of like helps me um, kind of fill in some questions I had in my life as a child, only because I have you on the phone. But I remember um, when you were on Soul Train, and right before Don Cornelius introduced you, I think, or after he did the interview, one of the, those two you performed, Mama used to say, he mentioned that that was a big club hit or that was part of a club or dance movement, something like that happening in the U.K. I'm not sure if that exactly is what he said. I kind of wanted to get some clarification from me. Was that kind of part of a scene that was going on in the U.K. at the time as well? Um, I'm not sure about that because he helped me with really. that a little bit. I mean, no problem. The UK was going through what they call a jazz funk moment. Okay. Everybody that was making music at the time was making jazz funk. I'd been listening to the Isley Brothers. I'd been listening to Sly Stone. I'd been listening to Stevie. I'd been listening to Marvin. So I didn't want to do jazz funk. I wanted to do a form of music that was about love, that was about social issues that were taking place. And Mama used to say, came around because of the fact that we had what they call sus laws here. So you would be walking down the street, same as in America. You're walking down the street, you haven't done anything wrong, the cops stop you. They start asking you for your details and stuff like this. Now that was happening 40 years ago. There's Whoa. no change to today. Whoa. People, you know, there is no change to today. And that was what those songs were born out of, the frustration of where we were living. So I wanted my thing to be a bit more edgier and a bit more rockier and a bit more live to, to reflect where I was living. We were mm -hmm. edgy. We were live. We were being persecuted. We were being put in, into a, a, if you're black, then you do this. If you're black, you do that. And we started to see that. It was during the time of we had the, the race riots here in, in London during the early 80s, and all of that was born out of the frustration of not being able to get jobs, not being able or not being looked at as being equal to your fellow man, basically. I really did not know that. I actually didn't even know they were race riots in London at that time. Wow, that's, that's heavy, man. So that was part of your, mainly your motivation to do what you were doing, basically, huh? A lot of it was because mm -hmm. I started to find that, like, I couldn't, I couldn't get, I couldn't make the music or say the things I wanted to say. Yes, 
couldn't say the things I wanted to say because it would always be tapered. But like um, my white counterparts, or should I say, radio at the time in England, which was primarily white, wouldn't play it because the connotations were too black. Yeah. My thing was was to try and find a way to bridge that. Try and find a way to ensure that I didn't sell out myself to make a record. That I made a record that was true to me and true to us. So, Mama used to say was something that my mother used to tell me. The things okay. that I put in the song were things that my mother told me. And I knew that there were other people just like me who had been told the same kind of things, right? And nobody was speaking for us. Nobody was speaking on behalf of us in that regard. So when Mama came out, it was interesting. In England, it died a death. It came out and nobody would play it. Mm-hmm. They said it was too rock and roll. It was too, really? too much this and too much that. Yeah, they wouldn't play it in England. And it wasn't <laughs> until it went to America and it got a remix by T. Scott, who wants okay. to rest his soul, God rest his yeah. soul, he's no longer here. But T. had a show on, uh, what was it, WBLS, okay. with Frankie Crocker. Okay. And T. played the record on Frankie's show, and it just took off. The record just blew up the following day, it was selling all over. And I always remember, when I got to America from England, the managing director of the label saying, we've not spent a penny on the promotion of your record. Your record has been organic. Wow. The people's record. That was the other thing that really threw me at that time. Wow. That's an honest hit. An honest grassroots people's hit. I didn't even know that. That is... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's an accomplishment. Many artists almost can't, I can't say can accomplish, but that's a hard feat to accomplish because, of course, a record can become a hit with thousands and thousands of uh, dollars on promotion, but this way is the most honest way. That's what's up. That's what's up, my man. My man, that's good, man. That's, that's very, very good. I know, I know you mentioned, you welcome no problemo. I know you mentioned earlier about, so you did some production work, uh, are there any like production credits that I don't know about? Many of us don't know about that you um, released out there at all. Can you um, bring me up to speed on that? I think a lot of my work in terms of production was really based around um, artists that you like. Paul Johnson had a song called "When Love Comes Calling." Was more I wrote the song and then mm-hmm. produced his album. And then went on and um, wrote a song for um, not so much production, but because Nile Rogers produced it. But I wrote oh, wow. a song with Mel Gaynor, Simple Minds. From Simple Minds, we wrote a song for Sheila Easton. Really? And that, really? that did pretty well for us. Okay. Oh, and then I wrote, for, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I wrote for I wrote for Sheila Easton, and then I wrote for Phyllis Hyman, and then I wrote for Ruby Turner. Maxi Priest, and that side of my career started to take off in terms of writing. I then had another number one with a song called Unison, which was from um, a movie that was out at the time, and uh, that was great for me because it went on, and, and I think it was, oh, what's, I can't remember her name now. She's a French singer, um, American, but um, 
from Canada. And oh. The version of it that became. Is, is that Mika Paris or someone like that? Is that what that was? Mika Paris? I'm not sure. No. Okay. Oh, gosh. I can't remember. It's okay. As soon as I remember her name and I say it, right. oh, God, I remember her. <laughs> yeah. But I, I got. I started to get more involved in the writing side I of things and um, and writing for other artists. That seemed to be the thing that people wanted from me in terms of other artists wanted from me at that time. So mm. I got very involved in that. I did the Beverly Hill Cop movie, um, had a song in there, Do You Really Want My Love? And as you know, that won a Grammy, so we were very proud of that. Man, go ahead. But, Go ahead. You know, so, so we, you know, it was, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't mean to cut in. No, I was just going to say that, like, you know, we were very proud of that project because it meant that, like, I was starting to move from writing songs for people to be able to, which was something that I'd always wanted to try and do. So that was brilliant. That was a great period. Yeah, I bet, I bet you should feel proud for those accomplishments. I mean, um, now I know and my listeners now know that you had life and you still have life after your hit Mama Used to Say, of which you're most popular for, you know. And that's hot, man. That's hot. You never left the game. Basically, you always were alive, always relevant, always making it happen from what I see. You know, that's very impressive, you know, very, very Thank impressive. You. Yeah, no problem. No, but I actually um, checked out some of your live performances this week to see what you got going, you know. So you still you still can rock it, man. You can still rock it. You're doing it. You know, you're doing it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. I love it. But even though you've been performing live for the past few years, has that been affected or how have your career, or has your career been affected, if at all, by this worldwide pandemic, unfortunately, we're all experiencing right now? I think we all, um, all artists, I don't care what, where you are in, 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 in stature in terms of being the lowest to the highest, mm -hmm. I think it's affected us all because of the fact that, like, we, we play and we make our music live, so we, we, we need to be on a stage, we need to interact with people and be able to get across the message that you want to get across through your work. And I think all of us have been under extreme pressure because of the fact of one, not being able to work. So obviously you're losing money. Yes. Two, we would go in and, and as you can see, everybody's doing Zooms and, and doing mm -hmm. home concerts. And, you know, to me, everybody's trying to keep themselves relative by doing all of this. Yeah, of but course. to be totally honest with you, you know, I get what everybody's doing, but to be totally honest with you, I look at it that, like, the relevance with people comes from the music that you make, not, not what you're seeing. Music, from its conception, was never about being seen. It was about being heard. And it was about the feeling that it gave you. And I think relevance comes from being able to make music that still touches people. So then it becomes relevant. I don't think making a video or doing Zooms in your house um, makes you relevant, makes you, keeps you credible. I think that those things are modern day attributes that people um, put on board. But in reality, to 
music, if you go all the way back to the tribes that would make music to talk speaking drums, to talk to other other tribes, and you didn't see them. They they their expression was through their hands and how they felt. You know, if you have great singers and they sing great, but you don't feel their 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 reality, you don't feel their their passion. And then you'll find there's a singer who doesn't sing half as well as those that you know, but there is a passion and there is a realness about what they do. And that was what I always wanted to strive for, the realness in what you do. Wow, I second that emotion. Actually, those are the type of artists I've always been drawn to, actually. You know, the type of artists, just like you said, you feel their passion, you feel that they're honest and they feel the music that they're doing, you know. And also, just to quote, piggyback on what you said and Kusana, what you just said, um, I've always loved, like, the average person, you know, especially someone that grew up in the 80s, I've always loved music videos and things like that. But if the song sucks, right. if the song sucks, it sucks. I don't care how great the video is, you know what I mean? Because that's not going to make me as a DJ yeah. want to want to play the song just because they have a hot video. If the song isn't moving anybody, even when it isn't feeling the music, it's, it's not going to get played, you know what I mean? And so that kind of concerns what you're speaking of, even as far as the Zoom performances and things like that. I love them and all if I like your music, but if your music ain't hidden, it's just, it's just saying hidden. So, and you come from a time where it was about the music only. So that's why I, I can get where you're coming from. If I can get what you're saying, you know, yes, I can. Yeah, it's important for me. It's always, for me, it's always been important to be able to make people feel mm-hmm. from your music. So I'd always wanted that, like, if, if a record of mine came on the rec- on the radio, you didn't have to see Junior to know it. Right that was what was important. I didn't have to see Ella Fitzgerald tonight with Ella Fitzgerald. I didn't need to see Stevie Wonder to know that that's Stevie Wonder. We have such what what would you say in terms of our voices? They are so individualistic, and it's not trying. It was about not wanting to sound like anybody bar me, so that when you heard it, you knew that's Junior or that somebody imitating Junior or whatever, but you knew the Junior sound. You would know that style. And that was what was my driving force and, and my motivation was to get better at being Junior, basically. Better me. Not try and do the next record like I did the first record. Mm-hmm. Now that, to a lot of artists, will sound strange because... They'll say, right, but you're you're in it to have hit records. So if you have a vibe like Mama, which was hugely successful, you know, four years down the road, you turn around and you're doing swing beat, right? Mm-hmm. And your your music is now your music is now from Mama used to say doing Oh Louise, and then I remember going into a Electric Lady Studios and meeting up with Lenny White. And then he white turned and said, have you been listening to the radio? So I said, no, I've been on the promotion tour, so I've not had a chance to listen to anything. And he turned and he said, have you not heard of this kid, Teddy Riley? So I was like, no, I've not heard of Teddy Riley. Mm. So he says, man, he's come out with something called Swing Beat, and it's all you. So you, you laugh, 
you say nothing about it, you leave it alone. Then a few years later, Teddy came to London and played a gig at Hammersmith Odeon. And he stopped the gig and turned and said to the people, this music that you're hearing, it, was, it comes from one of your guys. Junior started Swindy. Now, for Teddy, who was the originator, let's say, of that music form, that swing beat during the 90s, to turn around and say that you influenced him to make what became one of the most influential music genres of its time was a real, you know, where you get like that real feeling of you truly touched? You wow, touched. yeah, yeah. You know, because here's a young man that you love his music and he's, he's prepared to turn around and say, I listen to you. I got my inspiration from you. The same thing when I heard Pharrell talking about clothes and stuff and saying that he got his inspiration from the kind of things that I was wearing and, and really? the attitude that I had. Again, all really? of things, you sit and you, you know, yeah, this is, and then, you know, to compound it, um, I think it was the um, NBA a video game that came out in, I think it was 217 or 216, where he used, Mama used to say in the, the actual game, he was the person to put all the music together. And he used, Mama used to say in the game, I've had over like, I think it's like nearly a million people come back to me concerning the fact that they heard the song in the game. And that's their, that's their favorite song. And you just... You, you you are so touched <laughs> by the fact that that's what you're doing. You're touching the people, and that's what you wanted to do. It's it's for me. It's just amazing, TP. Right? That like you can still make music, and you have left music in the arena that people are finding and still feeling. And it's like this is my jam, you know. Mm -hmm. I love that. Wow, you just gave me chills a little bit. You gave me chills a little bit, man. You know, um, wow. You know, just just from the Teddy Riley part of the story. So Lenny White mentioned that this guy Teddy Riley is doing your style. You kind of blew it off a little bit. Then years later, you actually hear Teddy Riley mention it, and you know he was one of the the biggest producers of the late eighties, early nineties. Especially, you know, he was the biggest producer exactly. at that time for years. So wow, man. Exactly. Wow, wow, because, woo, okay, is it Pharrell with your fashion and so forth? Wow, so it, it proves that you just um, confirmed something that I always say, when you do you, that's all you can do. That's the best you can do is to do you when you did your part in the universe, you know, and it's going to touch someone. So you are a living witness to that, man. But I, I, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that, that instead of it being that people look at them, you know, Mama used to say, you can smile to yourself and you mm -hmm. can say, well, yeah, that's true. But mm -hmm. at the same time, did you know that, like, you're dancing to Heavy D, is it good to you? That's mine. You're dancing to Warren <laughs> G, right? Um, did you see, you know, do you see what I see? That's mine. Okay. Into band, you know, Grand Poober. You're dancing to, you know, Grand Poober. That's mine. You, t you know, you're looking at mm. all of these various acts who have taken your work and put it back into the marketplace and you mm. watch people 
it's like driving around and hearing your record being played and you're standing there and you're watching people yeah. go off and, and totally enjoy what you're doing and it's the greatest feeling ever. That is you know, almost the surreal. Feeling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. Totally wow. agree because you can't get your head around the fact you can't get your head around the fact that like things that you have done thirty, forty 20 years ago still has the same kind of effect on people in in such a way that like you are astounded by how you've touched and that as I said my whole being from beginning to where I am now is still the ex exact same thing in terms of motivation the motivation is to touch people with what you're saying and, and the groove and the vibe and the emotion that you can give so that people feel that that's still the drive my man okay well i am i am just so happy to have you on the um on my show and just happy that the story you just told is um being heard by everyone because i just got so extra um educated and motivated and impressed so i hope everybody is feeling what i'm feeling by the story you just told i, I really hope so i really really hope so are there um you're welcome no problem no problem sir is there, is there anything currently you're involved in right now, uh, musically, or is, is that, has that been put on hold because of the pandemic, or what's, what's going on with that? Well, I'm looking to put the album out, which is called Everything Set, which will be out hopefully around about September. I was hoping to get it out for the summer, but I felt it would be better around about September. So that will be out in September. Mm -hmm. The album comes out on my own label, which is High Quest. Okay. Uh, records. So that will that will be out in, um, as I said, September. I'm working with a, a French duo called AP Connection on a couple of tracks for their pro their project, which will be out early next year. And uh, basically, just writing the the new album, which I'll start recording early next year. So I'm I'm looking at the various things. You know, obviously. I wanted to tour and was, well, was supposed to tour earlier this year, but because of the pandemic, unfortunately, that's been yes. squashed until next year. Okay. But I'm hoping that, like, towards the middle to the back end of next year, we can incorporate dates in America because I haven't actually played America in 20 years, 30 years. And Whoa. I'd love to be able to come over and do some dates. Well, but just wait till it's safe. Just wait till it's safe because, you know, we're so... Hey, just say we've been embarrassed now by the world because a lot of um, countries are not allowing us to even cross their borders because of how un unresponsible un uh, our leadership has been dealing with the pandemic. So don't be in a rush to get over here yet, man. You know, wait till we wait till we've conquered this, <laughs> this thing. You know, how are you guys doing over there with the with the um, situation right now as far as the numbers? Are they? We've had it. We've had it rough too. Mm -hmm. We've had it rough too. We've had over. 40, nearly 45,000 deaths here. Wow. Um, we're up to, I think, around about a million nearly plus or, or over a million in terms of people that has contracted, mm -hmm. has been tested and, and have um, corona. We've mm -hmm. just begun to open up. So parks and, and various places like that, restaurants and stuff are beginning to open up. Obviously, we've been having the Black Lives Matters movement Yes. Um, happen here as well in terms of the marches and stuff like that because we are talking about a worldwide, you know, yes, problem it is. 
concerning police brutality, concerning um, the governments that we have in place and how they view us as a people. And uh, there is no change in that in that regard here to what's going on in America. So, yeah, it's it's beginning to open up to whatever they call the new norm. Yeah. We'll see what that is, I suppose, in a couple of months' time. But, um, yeah, things are beginning to open up. We're not, none of the theatres, though, have opened up and none of the clubs and stuff like that. They've still got them closed. So you can do outside shows, but you can't do shows inside. So we're, we're hopeful here. We're hoping that that will be changed and somehow they'll be able to find a way to ensure that people can still go out to a club and see a band and, and go to small theatre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like we're about the same state as far as um level of the opening up and how they're opening things up and so as the new norm as you say. You know. Hello? Mm. Okay, yeah, okay, I thought you fairly got for a minute. Okay, so I'm gonna conclude it, but um I really don't want to because you're such a cool cat to talk to, man. I could talk to you a long time. I, I can tell <laughs> already. I can tell already, Thank man. You. No problem, man. It's a blessing. Uh, but do you have any um, like contact info you'd like to leave or anything like that at all? Um, or yeah, messages please. you'd like if to leave? Wants to get in, if anybody wants, yeah, if anybody wants to get in contact with me, I'm on Instagram, Junior Giscom. I'm on Facebook, as Junior Giscom. Um, you can WhatsApp me. Right? Um, I'm there, too, for that as well. Right? Just go into Junior Giscom and you'll get me. Right? And as I said... Look out for the new album, which will be out with you in September. It's called Everything Set. And God willing, let's see what happens next year. But I'll be able to come over and play some dates so you can hear what the new stuff will be because I'll be playing that to you before anybody else gets a chance to hear it. Yeah, well, we're grateful for that. I'm definitely looking forward to that, most definitely. Yeah, just like America was good to you last time, I'll be sure they'd be good to you this time as well, you know. Um, so I'm going to, man, I'm telling you, sorry, I was going to say before we wrap up, like, I'd like to, I'd like to thank you for the opportunity to be able to speak today. And also to thank your listeners who will be listening in and, um, taking on board that, you know, we are all one, no matter what part of this, this universe that we seem to come from or this earth that we come from. We are all black people, and we must stick together and fight together and, you know, take away the oppression that has been put upon us in all walks of life. I thank you all for giving me that moment. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. And um, I just want to mention I agree with everything you just said right there because I also feel that if we don't deal with this oppression, um, and oppression, of course, doesn't always include just black people being oppressed, but it's, uh, you can't deny that exactly. we've been, but we can't deny we've been oppressed the most and for the longest. But if we don't deal with it in a, in a, um, positive, um, communicative yes. way that the world could be destroyed because we're all over this world and we don't want, I don't want to be one of the people who were responsible for this earth being destroyed because no one could get together these humans could get this stuff together. I mean, it's just embarrassing. It's pretty embarrassing, man. We need to clean this up, right? And we need to get it together. That's all, you know. 
you oh, can yeah. get it together. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, we need we need to ensure that. Yeah. My man, Junior, baby, that was on point. Thank you once again for blessing the show, blessing the fun zone with your jams. And we're going to keep abreast on what he got coming. Keep your funk signs in the air and tune for the new Junior album to be coming up soon, you dig? WGFMRadio.com, a division of Even If Inc., Chicago. You have now entered the zone, the funk zone, with T.P. Corleone. So throw them funk signs in the air, wave them around like you just don't care, and prepare to get funks in your mind, your body, and your soul. Can you dig it out? Hi, this is Genius, and you're listening to the Funk Zone with T.P. Corleone. My name, Junior. Oh, oh, oh. 
sexy ass record that is. You might like bananas, but uh, I like peaches myself, baby. Yeah, Miss Jenny Reynolds, that's a Chicago stepping classic right there, the fruit song, which features some members of P Funk. As the musicians on there, including Bootsy on the bass, though, Bubba, you dig? I think Glenn Goins may have been on there, too. I'm not sure on the guitar. But uh, before that, you heard something about us by Daft Punk, Mellow Cut, that is right there. And before that, Sao Paulo by Chic, and started that set off with Too Late by Junior, who again was guest on the show. Today, you in the Fun Zone, TP Coleum, you in Chi Town, well, I'm in Chi Town, and I think our mayor is getting ready to. Put us back to phase three again because people ain't acting right with the social distancing and turning up in the streets with the no mask. Now the um, numbers are starting to rise again. America, get those stuff together. I mean, I mean, what the funk? It ain't just Chicago. I mean, what the funk? But they say this time the age group of 20 to 29 are the are the um, age group of demographics who have spiked. The cases of the virus, man, they're trying to kill y'all. Act like you got some sense, man. Don't walk into the lion's mouth, okay? Um, Jada Pinkett, Will Smith, August Estina. I just said the names because their names are in the news, but do I care? I don't give a fuck. So here is some old joints. Here is something new by Bootsy Collins, Stars, baby. Oh, the name is Bootsy, baby. And if you love music like I love music... Then you can't live without this music. And music certainly wouldn't be here without our great musicians. As people, we're not afraid of nothing. We stand so did so and fight. But this battle that we're facing, it's hard to know what's wrong or right. Hiding in the hugs of loved ones, friends and strangers that we meet. Separation is our shield now to keep us strong and on our feet. Brothers and sisters, all colors.
And that's real, baby. Funk is for kids, too, you dig? T.P. Coleon to the break of dawn. Actually, we got about, what, an hour and 15 more minutes to funk you. What it do-do? That was Devo, Speed Racer. Before that, it was Packaging by Jun Zun Crew. And before that, Golden Boys by Reese, you dig? We need freedom, y'all. Freedom is around the corner. Freedom ain't no dream. Freedom is a reality. You dig? You better get on the right side of history because we got to save the earth and save humanity. And ain't nobody taking that oppressed ish no more. That's just the truth. You know what I'm saying? The gods let yourselves be known. Well, all right, y'all. Here is joy, freedom.
my calls from him, take this gamble, show my words are gonna fall up, but this being hush and humble ain't got me nowhere. Show I'm scared, but my life's a death. And baby, you just got so much flair. Would be the perfect day. I'm gonna share my mind with you. You've been blind, yeah, my life's been blue. I'm taking you, I'm taking you. Say y'all, 
Kicking beat to the groovers, delicious. So y'all, I get cracked. Bernadette Cooper from Climax. And I'm zoning out with T.P. Carleone in the Funk Zone on WGFMRadio.com. And slap me, because I still look good. Yeah. 
Yeah, baby, Wild Girls by the funkiest female band ever, Climax League, and I love that cut. I love it how they vamp it out in the end. But for that, it was Kraken. Let's get it. Let's get Kraken by Shock. Well, all right. Before that, it would stick up by Khalees. You dig? This is T.P. Corleone. One more hour to get funked into the zone with me, the Funk Zone on WGFMRadio.com. WGFMRadio.com, a division of Even If Inc. Chicago. Yeah, so this cut I'm about to play now, can you believe it was until maybe five years ago I realized this cut was about swirling with the white girls only? Yep, then I looked at the video and I should have known because there were no sisters in the video. But uh, here is Ice Cream Castles by Morris Day and the Time Years.
Quim Castles, let's do something soon. I love how they vamp it right at the end with that JB's type guitar, you dig? Anyway, we had a birthday this week from one of my favorite 
groups, the lead singer of one of my favorite groups. And yep, don't laugh when I say I'm talking about the Pet Shop Boys. Yes, I said the Pet Shop Boys. They were cold in the 80s. Yep, the, well, actually, their first song was their best song. You know what I'm saying? Y'all can't, I like, y'all didn't like West End Girls. Okay, funky ass cut, you dig? But not only that, they had some jams, man. They had a string of jams. I would say their first two to three albums were funky techno funk disco funk electro funk you dig but then when around the 90s came they start sucking they started getting really really cheesy at least for my taste super super sugary cheesy but um yeah neil Tennant, the lead singer from the pet shop boys he actually made 66 on june 10th. What I liked about that group, though, besides their beats, was that he didn't front, man. You know, he um, knew he couldn't dance. He, when they did their uh, performances, they were boring as hell to look at. They weren't trying to be anything but what they were. Some um, good studio cats, good st- songwriters sucked on the performances, but it's okay because the track spoke for themselves. He was boring as hell to look at, probably put you to sleep. So his anti-style was his style, you know what I'm saying? Did it his own way. So I'm going to play about two or three of my favorite joints from the Pet Shop Boys. Happy birthday, Neil Tennant's. Oh, also, the um, one of the stories go about this cat is... um. He got stolen by Boy George back in the 80s. He used to be a, a music critic for one of the music magazines in the UK. I can't recall what it was. I don't even really know the name of the magazine. But yeah, um, he stole. He got stolen by Boy George because he wrote an unfavorable review on one of the Culture Club's albums and got stolen. But this is before he formed the Pet Shop Boys. But I guess he got his revenge. He's a multimillionaire now. So anyway, um, happy birthday, Little Tenant from the Pet Shop Boys. Sometimes you're better off dead There's a gun in your hand that's pointing 
hit your head, you think you're mad, too unstable Kicking in chairs and knocking down tables in a restaurant In a West End town, call the police, there's a madman around Running down, underground, to a dive bar In a West End town In a West End town, the dead end world The Eastern boys and Western girls In a West End town, the dead end world The Eastern boys and Western girls You got it, do you get it? If so, how often? Which do you choose? A hard or soft option? In a western town, a dead end world The eastern boys and western girls In a western town, a dead end world The eastern boys and western
Cars, 
You're my hope. You're my dreams. My life. My passion. My love. My sex. My money. Violence. Religion. Injustice. And death. Yeah, that was Panero by the Pit Shop Boys. Before that, it was Violence by the Pit Shop Boys. Started that set off with West End Girls. They were number one hit by the Pit Shop Boys. Giving a birthday love to Neil Tennant, the lead singer. Well, all right, y'all, and you don't stop. Got about 30 more minutes or so or less to be funked. Get into Do It to the Music by Raw Silk. No time for criticizing. Music's hypnotizing Everybody's temperature's rising So get down When you're moving, when you're grooving When you really got your body All that's shaking, you're not faking So move your body right down to the ground Yeah. Music. 
you and have a hassle with the human race. Sammy Hip Hop and Don't Stop, Just Blast Off, Sure Shot, Cause Man from Mars, Stop Eating Cars and Eating Bars, and now he only eats guitars. Yeah! Now 
Haters off from the disco funk movement. That's the latest by myself featuring DJ Renee, DJ Renee featuring TP Corleone. The latest, the greatest, the newest. And you dig it? I hope so. Show it some support, show it some love. I always love when you support my music, and I do mean it from the bottom of my heart. That ain't no joke, y'all. My zone lights, my funker tears, my funkazoids. Before that, what was before that was Blondie Rapture that always gets the job done. That record never gets old to me. And before that it was Do It to the Music by Raw Silk. The lead vocalist on that joint was uh, Valerie Pettiford. If you don't know who she is, she is in the household name, but she's a sexy vet. vet yes, um, 
not trying to say she's an old lady or nothing, but she's a sexy milf, I should say. She played on, um, what was that joint, that movie, that TV show with um, Rachel True, Oba Babatunbe, and Telma Hopkins, I think it was called Sister, Sister. Um, yeah, funny ass show. Yep, funny, funny ass show. She was one of the moms on there, played opposite the rival of um, Telma Hopkins. Funny ass show. Anyway, this is TP calling on in the fun zone. We almost got to go, but want to send shout outs and love to my WGFM radio crew, my family, you dig? PJ Willis, Gary T, you dig? Pat Quinn. Lisa London, you dig? Uncle Ray is on like like a pile of neck bones in the funk zone and on WGFM Radio. Don't miss the great shows like Windy City Wednesdays, The Blues Show with Pat Quinn on Tuesdays. Um, what else? Um, Glenn Walker, my man. Glenn Walker in the night, my man. Gary T. Saturday, you know what I'm saying? It's back in the flesh with 45 albums and cds you dig is on y'all and we're going to close out with this last joint after hours by jody wiley keep your love in your heart remember good things comes to those who funk put them funk signs in the air and i will funk you next week and once again thank you junior for giving me the interview on the funk zone and here it is let's do it a baby